Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk, to subscribe today. Welcome to The Critic podcast with myself, Graham Stewart, and David Scullion. Uh, we are discussing this evening what on earth is going on in the trade talks, uh, the talks to firm up an agreement with what, for what will follow the transition period, which ends on the December 31st this year, uh, between the European Union and the UK. Something extraordinary, two extraordinary things happened today. Firstly, we got confirmation that Boris Johnson will be uh, flying off to Brussels uh, tomorrow evening for uh, dinner with uh, Ursula von der Leyen, the European Commission president. But we'll deal with that in a moment. But first, uh, David, I want to turn to uh, news which uh, uh, took many people by surprise uh, this morning uh, when it was revealed that the uh, Joint Committee, um, the EU-UK Joint Committee on the Withdrawal Agreement, uh, announced that, that, that they had reached common ground and that the UK was withdrawing those contentious clauses uh, of the UK Internal Market Bill, uh, which uh, um, breached international law in limited and specific ways, as a consequence. Uh, David, what, what is your understanding of the strategy here? Many people assumed that uh, the British government was playing hardball with the Internal Market Bill uh, in order to get uh, a wider agreement. Now it looks as if we've withdrawn our weapons uh, before that agreement is reached. What, what's, what's the thinking? The fact is this agreement uh, is still uh, uh, underneath the jurisdiction of the ECJ. So that means by withdrawing this, uh, the UK's power to act unilaterally on Northern Ireland, we are submitting to the withdrawal agreement, which means we have to get everything agreed by the EU subject to the European Court of Justice. It does seem bizarre that this is somehow being uh, this is somehow a great UK victory and also very strange considering there's no trade deal done you might imagine this would happen the UK would agree to drop these contentious clauses after a trade deal has been agreed but somehow it's been done before everyone I think is left scratching their heads uh, on this. Well it's been very extraordinary in the Westminster village today Uh, everyone I've spoken to is uh, very intrigued by what it is the deal that's been done that, I mean, there's been a very clear announcement that there is an agreement in principle on uh, border control posts and entry posts uh, regarding the checks on animals and, and uh, uh, food products, export declarations, supply of medicines, chilled meats, uh, food to supermarkets, and so on. But but no one yet knows because uh, both sides of the negotiations on the joint committee have been very tight-lipped about it. it exactly what what these terms involve. Uh, David, I know you're a sceptic, but let me be Dr. Pangloss and put it to you that uh, uh, the UK has withdrawn the offending clauses of the Internal Market Bill because actually they've got a very good understanding here and uh, particularly with regard to the European Union uh, taking a more lenient view on the prospect of trade moving from Great Britain to Northern Ireland without it necessarily going near or crossing the Irish border. Um, that, that actually, that, that this could be a, a very positive breakthrough and, and, and helps the 
continual unity of, 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 the, of the United Kingdom market, which, which otherwise was threatened if, if there wasn't an agreement of this kind. Well, I think uh, when you look at uh, what has been said, the government has people have been asking the government privately and publicly, uh, you know, what what does this actually mean? Uh, so, for example, today in the House of Commons, um, uh, Sammy Wilson, the DUP MP, uh, put it to the minister, Jesse Norman, and said that Article 8 of the Northern Ireland Protocol says that Northern Ireland traders will be subject to a dual VAT regime. Uh, and he said, does Michael Gove's agreement override this? So, you know, the um, Northern Ireland Protocol says that Northern Ireland will be in the EU's tax regime, which means you've got complicated forms and complicated import declarations when you're importing goods into the Northern Ireland. Uh, Sammy Wilson says, well, does this agreement override the withdrawal agreement? And uh, Jesse Norman basically said, no, the withdrawal agreement takes priority. Uh, privately, people have been putting this to uh, people in government and um, uh, they've been saying, you know, it's all going to be fine. You don't need to worry about it. But they, they've struggled to answer these kind of arguments and arguments like, for example, from the trade expert, James Weber, who um, has written a piece on state aid. There was a big um, concern amongst Brexiters a few months ago that um, the provisions for state aid in Northern Ireland could be used to bind uh, the whole of the UK into state aid rules, which means that, for example, if anything could conceivably, uh, anything that the UK um, government subsidises or works on, for example, um, that space company that the UK bought, uh, if, if it could conceivably impact anything in Northern Ireland, then the EU would have a chance to block it. And the uh, UK internal market bill would have mitigated that. Now the offending clauses are gone, this has all come back again. Well, there, there is a, a possible explanation uh, and that uh, actually it's uh, predicated on assumption that, that a deal is about to be agreed uh, between the, the UK and the EU and this will all be part of that. It does kind of beg the question though why it would not be done afterwards why would you not wait until a deal is final finalized before you uh, decide to withdraw these clauses on the, the precious few days left before recess uh, and when the lords can hold these things up you have no idea whether this legislation can get through um, quickly the government have said and um, the prime minister's spokesman uh, has batted this away and said oh legislation can get all sorted through in a day we've seen that last year in the big brexit wars when legislation got passed through all of its stages in a day but uh, but you can't guarantee that the laws might hold this up. You know, the, um, the taxation bill won't necessarily be designated as a money bill, which means that the lords can block it. And why on earth would you be giving up these clauses, which which the government has said we don't we're not going to use these unless we have to. Um, so there's no reason to give them up uh, unless uh, the government is planning to concede on all of these things. Why would you not just put them in anyway? And if a deal's about to be agreed. Is there perhaps the possibility that uh, the uh, British government has concluded that it has miscalculated on, on the, the offending clauses in the Internal Market Bill, uh, particularly with one eye to Joe Biden uh, coming into the White House? Obviously, uh, not proceeding with, with these clauses will smooth relations with the United States. And it's also obviously a, a, a peace offering to Brussels ahead of, of an anticipated deal. Is that perhaps the, the, you know, the tactics certainly suggest it's a peculiar thing to concede for a deal, but is there a wider strategy that, that makes it perhaps more explicable? 
I think it's, it's 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 potentially possible. This is their strategy that uh, you know that we have to be seen to be a, an honest broker, and you know we're we're giving them goodwill. But just I think what one. Uh, one um, Brexit uh, insider has pointed out that, uh, you know, the, the Remainer lawyers on Twitter saying, oh, how dare the UK break these agreements? It's uh, it's really damaged relations with the EU. The EU can't deal with a country that's decided it's going to break its agreements. They've pointed out that Germany has is pushing ahead with Nord Stream 2, which is increasing its uh, gas supplies by about double from Russia after Russia has invaded a sovereign country so the idea that this is a that we're uh, legislating to potentially break some minor points of the withdrawal agreement is going to scupper any kind of discussions is is uh, is a nonsense well and, and nonsense or not it's all part of a larger picture um we've had confirmation today that, that the prime minister is uh, flying off to brussels tomorrow evening for dinner um but it looks like he's not staying the night he's flying back so um, I mean, Eva is going to be, a, a, you know, a quite stupendously impressive dinner in which uh, points of debate between Michel Barnier and David Frost, which haven't been agreed all this time through the negotiations on fisheries, on state aid policy, on the level playing field, are suddenly going to be solved over the course of three or four courses. Uh, seems to me um, rather extraordinary. What do we deduce from this? Is it that actually the deal is almost there and it's a matter of uh, the Prime Minister uh, uh, over dinner uh, conceding or concluding? Uh, or is actually, are we, are we interpreting this dinner incorrectly? And this isn't the dinner where the, the deal will either be concluded or broken. Well, I think uh, we slightly risk uh, trying to read the runes and just being criminologists when we uh, talk about this, because, of course, we have no idea what they're saying behind closed doors. We have no idea what they're saying at the dinner. But I think it's, it's worth it's worth mentioning that this, ha- this has been happening for the last few years. Theresa May is ferried back and forth across uh, the English Channel. She d- did a few late-night flights with um, the, her RAF plane waiting. And the EU have never ever seen the the UK uh, uh, stick to any point of principle whatsoever. They've always got their way. And throughout this whole negotiation, we've had uh, briefings from behind the scenes that that Britain's going to not leave the common fisheries policy during the transition period. And the government said, no, that's nonsense. Of course, we're going to leave during the uh, leave the common fisheries policy during the transition period and take back control of our fish and all of them all of the concessions that britain has um that the government has denied is going to happen have turned out to be true so i cannot imagine that the eu would now at this last moment think that britain is not going to concede even with a new prime minister a lot of the same people are there michael gove's been there throughout the whole thing and has been happy with the withdrawal agreement i think it's not a surprise that it's michael gove that has made this agreement i just see all of the things that we saw during Theresa May, the late night flights, the, the summons to Brussels, the, 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 the appeal to Angela Merkel, which ultimately fails. All of these elements are still uh, the same. You know, these, these clauses aren't meaningless offence towards the EU. These clauses in the internal market bill and the uh, finance bill, they're, they're actually absolutely necessary for a no deal scenario. So I just cannot imagine they haven't, uh, they're not already planning to concede on a lot of these things. And there is some kind of uh, deal being cooked up. David, what are the runes you're reading from the uh, the ERG, the European Research Group uh, of Conservative MPs? Well, a lot of them were uh, 
tried to put a brave face on uh, some of the things so far. For example, the uh, they've been willing to uh, say that oh, Michael Gove has been implementing the withdrawal agreement um, over the last few months, and we we don't we're not we don't mind. It's not too bad. We the government have assured us they're going to get rid of this, but now they seem to have just be very depressed by it. Andrew Bridgen said has told me that the the Spartans have still got their swords and shields. They're all waxed and ready, and he's going to be he's not going to be voting for anything unless he reads it line by line. He's annoyed. Bill Cash is someone who has been very pro-government up to this point and was in the chamber uh, just saying how annoyed he was today. John Redwood's been annoyed today. And then a senior ERG figure who is uh, off the record for now, uh, his take on it was, uh, we've given away important bargaining chips in return for an agreement to abide by a code of conduct not backed up by the force of law and still under the ECJ. So I think it's fair to say they're all really annoyed. And uh, I think... Downing Street have kept them in the dark up to now and kept what they are planning to concede uh, hidden from them up to now, which can only I can only conclude it's because it's the last possible moment. Well, uh, the uh, darkest hour is about to pass and light is about to shine on what has been concluded, what has been conceded, what won't be concluded. Uh, David Scullion, very interesting to get your perspective on a very fast-moving Uh, series of events and also your insights on the mood in Parliament. You've been listening to The Critic Podcast with David Scullion and myself, Graham Stewart. If you've enjoyed listening to The Critic Podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk.